If you're anything like me, you are probably tired of spending all your money on takeout or you're over all the stress that comes with meal planning. Listen, Factor Meals is here to save the day. I mean, imagine this. Delicious, chef-crafted meals delivered right to your door, ready to heat and eat in just two minutes. Y'all, no more grocery shopping, no more shopping, no more dishes. Just restaurant quality goodness made with fresh high quality ingredients. I love Factor. Factor offers over 35 different options a week, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, veggie, and so much more. Whatever your diet is, they have you covered. Plus, they have over 55 delicious add-ons like breakfast smoothies and protein bars to keep you fueled all day long. And the meals are good. Every meal that I've had has been so good. And let's talk numbers. Factor is actually less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved. So you know you're getting the good stuff. You can choose as many or as few meals as you need from 6 to 18 per week. And you can even pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your busy schedule. I prefer to use Factor for my lunch meals because that is the time of the day where I'm super busy. So I can just grab something out of the fridge and not have to worry about it. So why don't you diss the stress and step into your bravado with Factor Meals. They're perfect for the boss babe on the go, the queen who values her time, and the woman who deserves delicious healthy food without the hassle. So are you ready to reclaim your kitchen throne? Head to factormeals.com bravado50 and use code bravado50 to get 50% off. That's right, you heard me, I said 50% off. So go to factormills.com slash bravado50 and use code bravado50. Do not miss out, sis. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This is Germany. And this is Brittany. And this is the Black Girl Bravado Podcast. A motivating and encouraging podcast where we focus on building community amongst colorful women alike. Join us weekly as we sit down and have candid conversations on various topics and issues surrounding self-care, self-love, health and wellness, spirituality, entrepreneurship, and much more. And trust, if we don't have the answers, we'll call on our expert homegirls who do. Our goal is to create a safe space for growth, inspiration, laughter, and love free of judgment in hopes that after you listen, you're a little more knowledgeable or at least a little more entertained than before. It's homegirl vibes here. Real, raw, and a little funny. A lot of fucking funny. So thanks for tuning in to the Black Girl Bravado Podcast. Let's start the show, cuties. Hey girls, welcome back. Hey, welcome back. How's it going? It's going. How's your weekend? My weekend was pretty good. Um, Let's see, this weekend, everything starts to become a blur. This weekend celebrated my best friend Kayla's birthday. Mm-hmm. And um, tried to Christmas shop, but that flopped. Hit the floor. And you went to see her. Oh, I did. I went to see her. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? How was your weekend? Um, it was pretty good. Celebrated Kayla, of course. Hey, Kayla. And, um, and then after I went to the dentist and got my wisdom tooth pulled. So 
here we are today from one extreme to the other seriously yeah but you know what i did it didn't bleed a lot even after those mimosas oh that's another thing i want to say i'm leaving mimosas in 2018 okay every time i just i don't know I, I don't know i don't know if it's a champagne they use I know I didn't go completely overboard yesterday, but my head was killing me, so. You were feeling badly? Bad. I was feeling bad. And so. it, it didn't even seem like we had a lot. Exactly. So but I those think glasses it's just, were I think big. it's the combination of orange juice and champagne. Those glasses were large. They weren't like a little skinny flute. It was like wine glass. Like, it was big. Yeah, it was. Wide. All righty, so new week, new tea. Where we kiki with you and you kiki with we. All right. So what's going on? <laughs> so um, Cardi B and Offset. So we know that they've been at odds. At odds. You know, she put up a little um, Instagram post saying that her and him are no longer together. They've been working it out or trying to work it out, but just can't yeah the embarrassment has gone too far right the, the public cheating. humiliation yeah yeah a couple with cheating done so this weekend cardi b did rolling loud which was um like a concert festival here in la mm -hmm. and guess who fucking crashed the set offset that was that was sick <laughs> offset she, set it off she looked like she looked she was like no like beyonce and jay-z would never you know what? That wasn't that wasn't okay for many reasons. First of all, I think that whoever okayed that from her team because it had to be okay. It had to be okayed. Needs to be let go. You're supposed to be having Cardi Cardi B's best interest at heart. I don't care what Offset has to say, what he wants to do. Not here. Not out on my headlining set. This is work. At the end of the day, it's work. And they let the the lines of work and artistry and become too love, blurred. It's blurred. At the end of the day, she's an entertainer. Yeah. And people, of course, we know her personal business because we see it. But ultimately, she's here to do a job. Yeah. She's here to rap, put on a set, entertain the fans. And go home. And all that other stuff got to be left aside. Pop up somewhere like at her house. With those flowers. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like Offset is really manipulating the situation right now. He may want Cardi B's apology, but all this that he's doing with the public, the public cries for attention and well, the public said, displays. It's my birthday. All I want is for you to forgive me, me Cardi. Cardi, I'm, I want to spend Christmas with you and Cole. And like, you want to know what I want? Out. I would like for my husband to be my husband, to be faithful and loyal and not have me looking a fool every quarter. In these streets. <laughs> it's just annoying. And it's like people in the celebrities who are weighing in saying, you know, Cardi, you need to take him back. No, take him back. He messed up. But, you know, how you think all these marriages from the past The last, game. Just shut up. We don't know. And I don't care. This is my marriage. This is not a marriage from the past. This is a marriage of the present. And even if she wants to stay, allow her to work it out. We don't On need her your feedback. Time. You don't got to be in the marriage. Yeah. She doesn't need your pushing and prodding. It's ridiculous. I just feel like being a celebrity is next level. And I hope that people that are celebrities and that are famous have the necessary tools and resources to really make sure their mental health is being taken care of because I would be laid out if my business was out like that say i'm on the stage and somebody come oh my god i would be so embarrassed i don't like she that. was i could tell she was like no like i don't she was like shaking her head no no i've had i've had my bout with a mini public cry oh. for attention i didn't say nothing really nothing 
And I'm like, the get that off of, get it off. I don't like oh, that. Oh, you mean on like a social media? Yes. Oh, yeah, no. It's ridiculous. So, um, you know, whatever they decide to do is their business. Offset needs to put all of that energy into being faithful. He was like, I know I didn't, I didn't do nothing with that girl, but I was entertaining, I was entertaining it too it. much. <laughs> the entertainment, like, bro. You know, that's our favorite line. You're entertaining. <laughs> yeah, I did. You're entertaining. He was like, I didn't do anything, but you're entertaining. <laughs> You're making you're inter- me look stupid. Yeah. You're entertaining. Yeah, you're entertaining. So, um. Poor Cardi. Yeah, I felt bad for her. It all moved so quickly. And she still had to perform after that. They gonna drop the track after that. The money bags. They was probably like, dang, 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 I would have been like, you know what? Do ton for seeing circumstances. I can't. I would have been like, bro, it's your set now. Cardi and crew dip. Yeah. It's turned into offset in the Migos. He's taking my place. That was shitty. So prayers. Again. <laughs> because it's sick. Yeah, hopefully they can overcome. <sighs> that. We shall overcome. So, um, anything else? No, that's it. No, you know what I want to say? Pray for Pete Davidson. Oh yeah. I mean, mental health is real. We seen Kanye going on his little stunt, which is just what else is new <sighs> with him? Right. But Pete the cry for help. The, I don't want to be here on this earth anymore. I hated I'm trying to see really that. hard. I was like, oh. but Ariana was there. She was just like, I'm waiting downstairs if you need anything. Pray for her too, because she's. I was thinking that I'm like dealing with if she has to go through that again. And the fact that people are placing a lot of the blame on her, it's like you know what? Yes, yeah, she was in relations relationships with these people, but those are their demons, not hers. It's just it's sad. not her fault. So I'll be praying for all of them. Prayers. Kanye too. Kanye is losing it. But I mean, I, when it comes to words for Kanye, no more. Let me I have no more. Just got to put it on the altar. I have no more. Give it yeah. to God. So yeah, seriously, if if someone you know is dealing with mental illness, just be there for them as much as you can. As much as you can. Yeah, it was a sick, 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 sick time for celebrities this week. They it was really, sad. Yeah, Guale chimed in and was like, what did he say? Something about how being being famous causes you to have mental can cause you to have mental illness. Something along those lines. I don't know what verbatim, so I'm gonna just let y'all look it up. Yeah. For our chopping screw his words. All right. So enough of that. If you're here and you love this podcast, make sure you rate, review, subscribe, tell a homegirl to tell a homegirl. We love hearing your kind words and just knowing that you guys love us the way we love you. So take a minute, do those things, and then come right back. Please. And to show our appreciation, we are going to read our review of the week. This was a different review, Mm -hmm. Um, but it really touched us, as they all do. So today we're sharing a review from Simba Nala 7. It says, two dope souls. I discovered this podcast through a young woman I deeply care about. I started listening in an effort to step into her world. It was blown away by the vibe and the content you two cover. Thank you for being who you are, intellectually savvy, dope, loving God, and keeping our vibes high. Whichever one of you ties a song to everything you two talk about, you are my spirit animal. We both do. (laughs) I often do the same. I can't be the only man who appreciates two dope women doing dope things. But either way, know that you have a fan for life. Stay blessed, ladies listening. Yay. Thank you. Thanks, brother. So we were excited to see some words from a fella in a world full of offsets. (laughs) Let's venture. 
<laughs> towards brothers like this, Simbanala, because he stepped in to listen to our podcast because of a young lady that he cares about. I thought that was so cute. Yeah. Thanks for being Love here. That, Love so. you, bro. Now he's my bro. Right. Now you're our brother. Yeah. And um, she's for sure our sister. She's letting you know about the podcast. So. Yeah. Thank you all mm-hmm. for the love that she threw out. We got some really heartfelt reviews this week. It was hard to pick. Okay, read another. Okay. Two for one. Why don't we? Let me pull it up because I wasn't prepared, but here I am. <laughs> Let's see. Let's do the mental cleanse party. Okay, go for it. This is from Hidden Lotus. Women should gather with their friends and just have a listening party with Black Girl Bravado. Yes. Breaking down what should be normalized Breaking down what should be normalized to breaking down toxic feelings. Support and living in a support and living a better, happier life. A reminder that success isn't always what we think it is in all areas of life. This podcast is full of realizations that can better your life and free yourself of emotional poison. Because baby, this is what you need. Mental cleanse. That's what we're all about. Yes, cleansing it. Come on over. Squeaky clean. Yes. So, uh, yeah, thanks for everybody who's already rated and reviewed. We appreciate it. And you know what it does? It shows we're motherfucking credible. Yeah. Okay? It says that the girls are doing what the girls need to do, and the people out there are feeling it. And we want other people to feel it. Yes, it helps the reach of our podcast. So, yep, thank you. Yeah. And if you want to connect with other like-minded homegirls or women, feel free to join our Facebook group. It's the Black Girl Bravado Pod. Oh, wait, no, it's not. Yes, Home- it is. The Black Girl Bravado Podcast. Homegirl Hangout. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Find us on Facebook. Get in there. Chat it up. Also, we've been doing something new, y'all. This is week two. By the time you hear this, we'll be doing it. For the third week, we've been going live on Instagram. Yes. And it's been a party. It has. It's a good time. It is. It's, it's a fun. good time. Um, last week, we let a couple of the, well, a homegirl call in. Aja. Aja. Yeah, she was so sweet um, mm-hmm. and a good addition to our live. So we'll be doing that more often. Come prepared to the live to, you know, show your face. Maybe if you weren't going to put a beat on, put a beat on when you show up to the live because we may be accepting your call. Yeah. So make sure you reach out to us. We will be going live every Wednesday tentatively. Mm-hmm. This is tentative because if something come up, we're going to have to sit it out. Right. But every Wednesday, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And we want to see you girls there. Yes. And boys, if you're listening, Simbanala, feel free to come on to the party. And tell your homeboys. Okay. Niggas. Right, come on. So, last week we weren't here. We, we weren't. took a little break break. We did. Right? But we're going to recap ep- episode 75, which was Love Lockdown, Understanding Your Attachment Style. So, in last week's, the last episode, we'll say the last episode, we chatted about how relationships we have with our parents or caregivers create an attachment style, which ultimately determines how we handle close relationships in adulthood. So we invited you all to take the quiz. We got some feedback from some homegirls saying like their attachment style was exactly what they thought. And it's kind of shocking since they may have a different, been raised in a different environment, but these niggas will jade you. Yes. So, yeah, we still have the link for the attachment quiz in the in episode 75 in the details and show notes. So feel free to take the quiz. It's not too late and come back and chat with us. There you go. Mm-hmm. So this week we decided to switch up the tempo. We've been switch talking a tempo. lot about relationships and why mm-hmm. we behave the way we do in relationships. But now we're going to be talking about our relationship with money. This was a highly requested topic in Germany nor I are not financial experts, but like we said, we always call on the ex 
expert homegirl who is if we have to. Mm -hmm. So this week we called on Jamila Souffrant, who is a creator of the blog and podcast Journey to Launch. She gave us so many gems. Okay, she's a wife and a mom of three small children and a certified financial education instructor and in this conversation we talked about saving for retirement we talked about becoming financially independent budgeting how to be investing investing how to be more financially savvy Mm -hmm. we covered it all so if this is something that you're looking for help in an area that you're looking for help in or maybe you don't even think you need help but after you listen to this podcast you'll see that there's a lot of adjustments that can be made you're in the right place yes buckle up we're going on a ride. Okay, girls. So today we have Jamila Souffrant of Journey to Launch. She's going to pour into us so much financial information. You guys have been requesting yes. us to cover this topic. And we might not have all the tools, but please believe us, Jamila definitely does. So please help us welcome Jamila <laughs> to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jamila. We're so excited to have you today. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Woohoo. Okay. So like we said, this whole money topic and everything has been heavy on our listeners' hearts. You're our go-to girl. So let our girls know who Jamila is, how you ended up here. Give them your spiel. <laughs> sure. Uh, so I'm Jamila and, you know, I feel like I can probably go on and on about like most people can about like their backstory, but I'd say this, that the most probably for me important things about my history or like how I became who I am today is the fact that, you know, I was born on the island of Jamaica, came to Brooklyn, New York when I was a very small child and I was raised by a single mom. And so I really got the, like the concept of hard work and, you know, just experiences over things because we didn't have, you know, you know, excessive amounts of stuff. You know, she was working hard to provide for me at the time, it was just me and her. So for me, like that always stuck with me as a child. And that I think shaped my, the grit and the hard work and the passion that I have today. So when I was 14, I would say this, I got my first job and I've been working ever since. And one of the things that I did that was really like helpful from like jumpstarting me in my like financial like journey, even though I didn't know it that much at the time, I was getting my first internship in college, which was a paid internship. So that was amazing. And it was a it was a well-paid one because it was through a company that or a program that sponsored you or allowed you to work in Fortune 500 companies. And so I got paid. Yeah, it was called Inroads. It's still around. And they place minorities into Fortune 500 companies and, you know, you get paid for your internship. So by doing that, and because I was a hard worker and I was always a saver, so I I did skip over that, that the one thing my mom did teach me to do, even though we never talked about money, was how to save. So became a saver, even though I didn't really intentionally know how to build wealth, I knew how to at least save money and um, save most of my paychecks throughout my college internship. Then by the time I graduated from college, I had enough money with some help from my mom to buy my first condo at 22. Uh, from there, I kind of graduated, kind of went into the full-time corporate thing, even though I always dreamed of doing my own thing. Like I always said to myself, I don't want to have a boss. I don't like being told what to do. There's no way I'm going to be working in a cubicle after 30. And so I had that kind of drive. And then like fast forward, I was 31, so working in the cubicle, <laughs> wow. realizing like what happened, you know, like I, you know, 
kind of I was started to sleepwalk throughout my 20s kind of a bit with just my finances and life a bit. And it was when I was pregnant with my first son that I realized I wanted more. Um, you know, I had a horrible commute home that day. I remember it very vividly. And that really awoke me to realize like I want more. And so how do I find more? And through some research, I started like Googling how to quit my job, how to retire. Um, I came across this thing called financial independence and fell down the rabbit hole by listening to podcasts and reading blogs of people who were really like just optimizing their finances, becoming really intentional and smart. And then over a period of time, they were able to leave maybe a job they didn't like or quit and or retire, whatever they chose. And I was like, I'm hooked. I need to figure out how to do this, which is long story long, because I know this is getting long. I, I um, <laughs> Yeah, so I actually then at that point started to research and figure out how I could apply that to my life and my family and started Journey to Launch as like just a platform to share that, like my journey. But then as I shared it, more people wanted to know how I was doing it. And so it morphed into me then helping people because then I was like, you know what? I know I'm not the only one who wish they would have known about this or who wants to get more information about this. So then that's kind of like the vehicle and like the what motivated me to start even sharing this my story more and then helping other people reach financial freedom and independence, which is like hence now, like my whole what I do right now. Wow. Wow. You know, it, it's, we, it's crazy how, you know, um, I guess it was somewhat intentional, but you were just looking for a way out. And right. the way you're you looking for a way out led you down this completely different but empowering journey to where you also have been able to gain the tools to teach so many other people just like you. How to, how to get out. How to also get out. That's just amazing and admirable. Thank you. Wow. So let's backtrack a little bit. You, you mentioned that you were born in Jamaica um, to an immigrant si- single parent. And I would say that that's different than a lot of our stories, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of us were born here in America. And I guess you can say we kind of had like a silver spoon. So how do you, how would you say that being born to an immigrant parent helped shape your financial financial journey? Would you say that your mother instilled in you financial savviness or was it just something completely self-taught from you wanting to escape from corporate America? You know, I think a lot of a lot of what I learned was not intentional in terms of with finances. So some of that stuff was more just the, I think the intangible things um, that allow me to succeed today is more of like the hard work, the grit, you know, watching my mom. So I had a lot of appreciation um, for her and even more now. So, you know, when I was young, I didn't really understand, but I like look back now as a mom myself, and like think how hard it must have been for her to be so young and to have me. And, you know, she came here when I was, so she had like, she left me like at nine months old in Jamaica cause she got her papers to come to New York. And so she had to like leave me. She had like a week's notice to be oh, able wow. to like decide what she was going to do. So she left me behind with my grandmother and I wasn't reunited with her until I was 18 months old. And so I actually like, I, I knew that story, but like I recently heard it again cause she was just on my podcast and I was, I was just so amazed. And I'm saying all that because like, as a mom, I can't imagine like what it took for her to have to like leave me. And I, I get it. She knew that she wanted that 
to get a better life, she had to like take that jump and risk. But those are the kind of things I think watching her and then, you know, she worked really hard. She went to school. Um, you know, she worked minimum wage jobs. She, she poured into me. So I think having that as a baseline, even though, you know, she never sat down and taught me about a budget. She didn't even know, you know, about a budget. So we never like specifically talked about wealth and investing because she didn't know, but because I saw her work so hard, it was such a, it left such an imprint and I appreciated her so much. And I think for the one thing that she did do, which I mentioned was the whole saving thing. So because my grandmother was a saver, she was a saver and they always believed you should have money for a rainy day and never spend everything. So that I think was definitely helpful because when I started working at 14, when I started working when I was in college, I always saved money. Like, you know, I didn't, I, I did buy things, but maybe while other kids and my peers were going out and really spending their whole check, I was like saving most of it. So I think all those things like combined really helped shape me, even though I didn't really know that it would lead me to this, it shaped me to be like the kind of financial savvy person I am today. You know, it's, it's funny us talking about how parents almost inadvertently shape their children, even things like finances, the things that you might not think your your children are necessarily watching really closely. Um, and it's funny that you say that about your mom, because I feel like my initial interaction with money is definitely shaped by the way my mom treated money. Like she made good money and we spent even better money. You know, yeah. it was just like, okay, money comes in, but we also will spend a lot of money. And when I started working, I would do the same thing. I'm like, you know, I have to treat myself. Yeah. I wasn't a saver like for a long time, maybe up until maybe the last three or four years, I would be like, spin a check and get it right back vibe. You yeah. know, like <laughs> spin, it, spin it. But that's because that's the way I see my mom get it. She would get, get a lot of money and then we would go out and spend hella money. And she always had money for a rainy day. But I, I, um, I seen the concept of like, enjoy yourself yes Yes. where um you know i've kind of had to rework a little bit of that process and that framework in my mind now because um, my mom was young when she had me 22 so the older i get the older she gets and the more we learn we almost kind of learn together so as financially as she gets more financially savvy i'm in the position where i can learn more and decide how to better invest my money and what to spend my money on. But it's so hard when you don't initially grow up with that foundation. It's like, you got to really like decide how you're going to spend those coins. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's such a good point because, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking that, you know, I could have definitely went the other way. Maybe if I thought I was, um, like, I didn't have to like follow in those footsteps of saving, I think. Mm -hmm. And like, as you were talking about your mom, I think for some people, like you either like follow, you know, you either follow the footsteps, or, like go completely like opposite. And I think that depends on maybe if you see consequences. So sometimes like maybe if you like grew, grew up and you saw like the consequences of maybe bad money behaviors, yeah. you would, you would then be, you can either still fall into the trap because you don't really know how to break that cycle. Or you could say, I am not, you know, I see what this did to my parents. I don't want to be that way. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think because I saw, even though I didn't really, I couldn't really consciously like say it, I was so young, but I saw as I got older, how she worked and saved and was able to do things here and there like the benefit, like how, you know, we did, we were in a better position, like every couple of years, like we, we were becoming more secure financially. So that I'm sure um, was an imprint, like left the imprint on me where it's just like, okay, I know that, you know, at least I don't want to just blow everything or be, be so 
out of control with my money. I knew at least I needed to have something saved and, and be somewhat smart about things. Yes, definitely. And I can relate to Jeremy's story a lot. And also to what you said, Jamila, to where I saw consequences. Mm -hmm. And that is where I learned. That's what motivated me to learn because I'm like, you know what? No, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to do, I don't want my money to act like that. Like I want my money to work for me. And so that's when I was reading or like you said, listening to podcasts and trying to figure out, okay, how can I do a little bit better with my money? And I'm definitely still working on it, but I feel like me learning, I'm able to go back to my parent and be like, you know what? We should work. You should do this with your money yeah. or not, not even telling her what to do, but suggesting so that we can grow together and reverse some of the generational curses because it sucks when you don't have the tools that our parents are just learning what they were taught or weren't taught. And so in turn, they're just doing the best that they can with us. I mean, they were providing for us. We didn't lack for anything. Right. But we didn't necessarily have the tools to really make our money work for us. Yeah. As an adult. You know what I'm saying? I remember I used to, uh, this is a sidebar and then we're moving forward because we'll get into these stories all day. When I was, when it, when it was time for me to go to college, I wanted to go to college out of state. And you know, when you go to college out of state, you have those out of state fees. Yes. And I was so pissed off that my mom was like, girl, you staying in state. And right. I was like, mom, no. I was pissed. I was like acting like a white kid. I was like, why do I have <laughs> And I was crying, asking her. And she was like, you know what? When you get your kid, build a college fund. Do something that I didn't do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, right. with those opportunities, things like that. You know, you want to be able to have a college fund for your kid and not worry about things. But it is definitely our parents do the best that they can with what they can and what they know. Right. So the more we know, then the more you can, like you mentioned, break those generational curses, especially when it comes to finances and how it impacts people of color. Like, yeah, yeah it's a big deal. So Jamila, a big, a big um, point that we learned about you is that in addition to everything else, you've saved um, $85,000 in one year and $169,000 in two years. That is like, to me, that girl. <laughs> it's tough for me to say. I be like putting my pennies together. I'm like, girl, this is going in the savings. You cannot touch it. So for you to have put all that money aside, share with our girlfriends, how does one like- Even begin to save because people can save different amounts, but how did you even- Get to begin to wrap your mind around, okay, I'm going to aggressively start saving. Yes. Okay. So I want to also like frame everything here because I want people to get like the real story. Like, so not just think like, oh my gosh. Like, so one, I'll say this, it was my husband and I that did that. So not just me. Right. So that obviously helped having a second income to do that. Two is that combined the both of us earned good money to be able to do that. Right. So we live in New York city. And so my husband's a teacher. I worked in corporate real estate investments at the time. So both decent, good salaries to be able to do that. So right. I want to just say that all to say, cause I just feel like sometimes if you don't give the context, it's kind of like, like what is kind of maybe misleading. Cause then right. it's just like, how did you do that? It's like, we did that. There was a lot for us to be able to do that. But part of that, just the baseline was, it wasn't just me and we had a good income to do that. But I will say this, that before we saved that much, we like, 
we probably didn't save a fraction of it like the previous year. And a lot of that. So when I found out about this whole financial independence movement, I was so intrigued because when I was in my 20s and I started working full time, you know, and they said, oh, you can contribute to your, your 401k and all this stuff. I was like, I, I don't care. Like, I don't care about that. Like, that's so far away. I want my money now. And I never thought about it. Like, again, really, I mean, I did like at the I think maybe a couple years into working full time, I, I maybe went to the company match at least, but I didn't do much after that. Right. It was when I found out about this whole like movement and that people were really being like strategic and intentional about aggressively saving. So they would like max out their retirement accounts at work, max out their Roth IRAs. And I can explain what those are just in case you, you know, if you're listening, you don't know, but it's one of those things where, we started to max everything that we could out, like all our tax advantage retirement accounts. So uh, half of that money most was in like tax advantage retirement accounts. And that's important because like, you know, if we, so if like a 401k is a pre-tax retirement account and that's mm-hmm. what I had. And that's like where, when the government, before the government takes their taxes, you can now contribute to your company sponsored 401k pre-taxes. So the government is not taking taxes out of that. And then um, my husband, because he's a teacher, he had access to two pre-tax retirement accounts. And so we were able to max out three pre-tax retirement accounts in one year, which, which added up to a lot of money because that's eight. Well, at the time it was 18,000 per account. So as you can see, like a lot of that money was just by like, before we got our check, before the government took the taxes out, let's just max out those accounts. Then we, we were forced to kind of live on what was left. And so the way we thought about it, it was like we save first. So we had our savings goals. So after I found out that was a thing, because I, again, I didn't know that people were doing this. I thought you just save the minimum. You worry about stuff later. But when I found out that people were like saving half their income, you know, saving whatever, as much as we were or more, that's when I started to change and shift things. So we saved first and then we lived off the rest. So a, a lot of that money was in the tax advantage retirement account. So like the 401k that mm-hmm. I had, the 43 b that my husband had and 457, those are all pre-tax retirement accounts. And then we had Roth IRA. So that's an after tax retirement account. Um, and then some of that too was just like just regular investing outside of any retirement accounts and saving for our kids, 529 accounts and paying down our mortgage, like extra payments. So there was a combined, it was a lot of things, but we, because we were very, um, we, we started to get really intentional about like where we saved. It really helped push things along. Wow. So I have a question. So say we have someone here who's listening and they're like, okay, I really want to start saving, but they have a lot of debt. What would you say would be the first thing to prioritize? Would it be, okay, just start knocking down your debt first and then start putting your money into into these retirement accounts? Or should it be retirement accounts first while paying off your debt? What, yeah, that, what is the path for that? That's a good question because the other reason why we were able to save so much is because by the time we had got to that point, we had we didn't have any debt yeah. other than our mortgage. So let's say we like when I found out about this movement, you know, we we had student loan debt and a whole bunch of credit card debt. Like that would have been our first, not priority. So I'll go into it more, but we maybe wouldn't have been able to just funnel all that money into mm-hmm. saving and investing. Some of that would have been to debt payoff. So a lot of, yeah. And a lot of people, so here's the thing, like I know a lot of people like listening to this 
are not in that position where like they don't have any debt. Like you, yeah. you're already finding out about this. You have debt. So what do you do? And I get asked that a lot. And I think, I don't think you should hold off investing if you have debt because you lose out on time and compound interest. But I do think, so you need to understand though, like what kind of debts you have. So if you do have very high interest rate debts, like credit cards or private loans or even car loans, depending on your credit, like those are usually the highest interest rates that you should like really like focus on paying off first. And you know, if you rate ranked all your debts, but in the same regard, if you have access to like a retirement account at work that gives you a company match. So meaning let's say if you put in 5%, they put in 5%, mm -hmm. you should at the minimum be doing that because it's quote unquote free money. Yeah. Meaning like, yeah. So I say take advantage of those type of opportunities if you have them available to you. So your retirement accounts at work, Roth IRAs, because um, anyone can open up a Roth IRA. Although if you do make above a certain amount, you do have to kind of do things a little bit differently, but invest in those areas, the tax advantaged uh, retirement account areas. And while simultaneously paying aggressively paying off your debt. So I don't believe in that you should like not do anything, not save, invest, and then just focus on debt because you're losing out on your money growing over time. And sometimes in, if you know, you're starting too late, it just takes a long time to catch up and to get where you want to be. So you kind of got to find the balance, whatever works for you. How If you can cut down on your debt as much as you can while still contributing to your um, 401ks and these retirement accounts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So come up with a game plan. So if, you know, you listed all your debts, you know, by highest interest rate or by lowest amount, like in ascending order, like, you know, so sort out your debts and um, then also look at your goals. So where are the areas that you can invest right now? You know, not even thinking about like taxable investing, like your, cause, and the reason why I'm stressing the, the retirement accounts is because they're tax advantaged, meaning like, this is the way that like rich people like invest, right? Like they are making sure they're taking advantage of taxes. So yeah. if you put money, so what that means is if you put money before the government, if you put money away before the government can get to it, I mean, they're going to eventually get to it, but you're being smart about it where, okay, I rather take money out of my check now before it gets taxed and have it grow tax-free. And then when it, yes, when I go in retirement now, or when I, when I try to take it out, it might be taxed, but it's smarter than just like throwing your money to just, you know, tax, non-tax account. So I don't yeah. want to like get too muddled there, but it's very important to just understand that just because you're in debt does not mean you cannot invest and save towards your future. You know, I had a light bulb moment when you heard me say, oh, yes. because <laughs> I was I, my my um, retirement account at my job is after tax. Oh. I need to find an account that's pre-taxed and start investing in that as well but my mentality was like okay let me let them take the taxes now because if they're lower eventually in the future they'll be higher but truth be told i don't plan to be at that job too long yeah so i need to maximize a pre-tax account as well in addition to this after tax yeah well think of it this way right so some people always get stuck okay what should i do like should i contribute more to my pre-tax like my 401k or should i like go outside of my job and invest in a Roth IRA, you know, you, if you can do both, you do both, but let's just say the, you know, 
if you have a company match, and I don't know if that's the case for you, you should at least yeah. do the company match. Mine is a, it's a retirement account. It's not a 401k, but it is a retirement account. They match it and it's after tax. Okay. So that's good. I mean, you know, that's like, to me, like a good start. Like the, at the end of the day, to me, whether you're pre-tax or post-tax, whatever it is, at least you're investing. Like that's the first start. Then after you're doing that, then you can look into, okay, what's like, you know, the best funds to invest in? What has lowest fees? What's the best for my situation? Because everyone's situation is a bit different, but I find that just at least being in the game is a really good just start. Because a lot of people are not even in the game. Like they're not, they didn't even know to do any of this. They didn't know a game existed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. They didn't know where the game so was. So here's another thing I know that can be a challenge for some people. Say they're working for an employer and their employer doesn't match at all, which can be a little unmotivating when it comes to investing into this retirement account because it's like they're not matching. Right. I'm not getting the free money. But from what you're saying, it sounds like it may still be a good, a good idea to put that money there because it's pre-tax dollars. Yeah. So even if your company is not matching you, if they have a decent retirement account, meaning, you know, the fees are not high, um, they have good investment options, this is benefiting you. So the thing about it is like, this is all like, it's beneficial to you. When I was in my 20s, like I fell under the same kind of gumption of like, this does not matter. It's so far away. Who cares about like my 60 year old self? Like I'm trying to live my life today. Like who cares? Right. But when I realized that if I would have started saving more aggressively or at least tried more in my 20s, do you know how much money, more money I'd have like now where like, it'd be crazy. We would be the FI financially independent by 30, 40 for sure. Right. And I think the thing about it is sometimes you think, okay, that doesn't affect me so far away, not realizing that by investing in these accounts, like it does matter because you'd be in such a better position. Your net worth is higher, you know, goes from negative to positive. You feel more secure. So let's just say like, you know, let's say you you start investing in your pre-tax retirement account at work and 10 years later, you realize, oh, I want to make a switch. I want to do something different. But because you've been saving all this time, you can maybe take some more risk in terms of maybe like, you know, switching jobs or um, stop not working or not investing. Like, so for me, a big thing that happened this year was that I left my job. So congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So I left my job and, you know, I left a really well-paying job, but I was able to do that and felt comfortable enough to do that because for the past two years, we were like getting our ducks in a row, getting our finances together where I felt like it was a safe, like calculated risk. Now let's say I did not start saving and investing. It was not smart over these past two years in terms of getting it together. I wouldn't feel that comfortable or safe, like having three kids, you know, with a mortgage and all this, like to be able to take this leap. So that's why I tell people like, you know, like, even though sometimes your goals may seem far away, just moving towards them, just even if it's paying off a credit card debt or, you know, investing 1% more in your retirement account, that that's a big deal. Like, you know, I, and I hate that sometimes people don't see that, see it as that. Like they just see, Oh, what's the, what's the difference. But I'm here to tell you, it does make a difference. Cause you're like the, like it, and if everything you do puts you in a better position of power to have more control over your life. You, you For know sure. what? People might not think it's a big deal, but like you said, you're here to remind them. That's why you need motivating voices to say, hey, you got this girl. You're taking care of business. Right. We're making money moves. And I'm here to attest to that because I don't contribute the max that I can contribute 
into my 401k right now. Like the, like you said, it was the 18,000. I think it's like 18,500, something along those lines. Yeah, it's 18,500 now and it's going to be 19,000 next year. Okay, see, I don't contribute nowhere near that amount. No. But let me tell you, when I check into my 401k account and I see see it growing, growing, that helps me become more financially confident. Even if it's by a little bit each pay period because I'm like, you know what? Should there be a rainy day? There's money here. I know I don't want to completely depend on that, but say my job lets me go. Right. Whatever the case may be, I just feel better knowing that there's money there than versus if there was no money there at all. Right. So all these little bitty steps help you become more financially confident and they help you take bigger steps and bigger leaps and make decisions to invest more because you see the money growing. And next thing you know, you're financially independent. <laughs> right. Okay, so... A lot of this comes down to budgeting. Seriously. We it, like that's the foundation. Before you can start saving and putting money here and taking it from there and flipping the bag and tumbling it, we have <laughs> to make sure that the budget is secure. So for our girlfriends who might be starting off, this might be the first time anybody's speaking to them about budgeting or looking at their finances, combing through their checking account. What would you say are some basic like budgeting basics, some foundations to make making sure that you can just start getting you know, your ducks in a row. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say first off, um, frame your thought process around budgeting as not being something that's going to limit you that, you know, it's going to free you to be able to spend confidently. And so I'd say like a budget, I know for some people it's like, Oh, you know, it's like, so it's just so like restrictive, but I think it could be very, liberating when you kind of just you have such confidence in like where your money is going so first of all like if you have some like restrictions or mind blocks around budgeting like to change that maybe don't call it a budget if you don't like that word call it a freedom plan i like calling it that sometimes Um, because it's really just giving your money a plan like the whole thing is you're just giving your your money a job and you know budgeting is not for everyone. So I'd say this, if you're in a position where you feel like you're living paycheck to paycheck, you have these goals you want to reach, but you cannot get to them. You don't know where your money is going. You know, you can be doing better Then I do believe to start out with budgeting is like what you should be doing because you cannot improve what you cannot measure or you cannot, you cannot like recalibrate and change and like get to your goals unless you know why it is you're not reaching them. And so I think when people like sit down and really see where their money is going and then create a plan for it that they stick to, like big things can happen. That is so those are gems. I think that I think that in addition to the budgeting and the saving, the first step is to change our mindset because we talked about how unconsciously we pick up on these money habits and spending habits, saving habits from our childhood. And as we become adults, it's very hard to change. And it has a lot to do with our mindset. And I know you spoke before about the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. So can you explain that to our listeners so that they understand how this small change in their mindset can really help them maximize their money and their finances? Sure. So with a fixed mindset, that's the thought process that you cannot like improve. You, you're just going to basically have fixed, like a fixed level of ability. 
And so you're not looking to really improve or to get better because you don't think it's possible to improve or to get better. Mm-hmm. And with a growth mindset, you you feel that you can improve. So with um, you can improve your basic ability. Like if you practice more, you can get better. Or if you look at things differently, you can get better. So that growth mindset allows you to just view problems differently. It allows you to view yourself differently because here's the thing, like we're not all great in every single thing. Right. And so I find that the people who, even though they're not great at things, but they just keep going and they believe they can get great at it are the ones that become great at it, or at least don't suck as much. Right. Like versus someone (laughs) who thinks like, Oh, well I'm just bad with money or I'm just bad with numbers. And I just can't change that. That's a fixed mindset versus someone who says, well, you know, I, maybe I haven't found the right technique yet. You know, I maybe, you know, I haven't found the right budgeting system or the right way I want to go about it. And I'm going to keep trying until I get it. Like that mindset is more of a growth mindset because you're thinking, okay, even though I don't feel like I've been, you know, blessed inherently with those qualities, I can learn to pick them up or do things in a way in which can help me learn the way that works best for me. Yes. Love that. So definitely want to have a growth mindset. Yes. Uh, a lot of, but a part, a lot of part, a big part about budgeting is also like sacrifices. You know, I know that right now, uh, well, for thirty, my thing is becoming debt free or as debt free as I can become. And I've recently implemented the envelope system, mm-hmm. right? Tracking my money, seeing where it's going, and um, essentially doubling up on some of my bills, so like my student loans, my car notes, things like that. How important do you think it is for our girlfriends to make some like? sacrifices like are we not getting our nails done if we can are we to like pay on other bills are we slowing down on some extra you know knickknack paddy wax getting a room <laughs> yeah back are home. we moving back home i mean what do you think okay so i i think it all depends on your situation and if you're being real with yourself mm-hmm. because i come across people who say that they want to do all these things like they want to save for a house or they want to invest more and get out of debt but then they say, oh, I don't have any money to do that. And it's like, okay, if you don't have any money to do that, then, you know, show me what you are spending your money on. And it's like, oh, I'm going out to eat and I'm getting my nails done or getting my hair done all the time. But, so then it's just like, how bad do you, are, does that, what matters to you more, right? And so I think a lot of people are not real with kind of like where their priorities lie. So just because you say you want to get out of debt doesn't mean you really do. So yeah. really think about what it is you really want because you you know, there's, but so, so there's income, there's expenses. So if you are not looking to increase your income, income by, you know, earning more money through your job or a side hustling or whatever, and you're not willing to decrease your expenses, then how are you going to get, like, if, how are you going to get to a place where you are reaching your goals, right? The money has to come from somewhere. So I do believe that you should be And I hate using the word sacrifice, but you should be valuing, you should be using a value system saying to yourself, okay, do I value this enough for it to be in conflict with this goal that I say I want? Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't mean that you can't go out to eat. It doesn't mean you can't get your nails done. It just means maybe instead of going every day or, you know, going out to lunch every day or going out, um, and getting your nails done every week, you you put a limit around it, which is why a budget is good. So instead of spending $500 on one particular thing, you say, okay, I'm only going to spend $200. And mm-hmm. so that difference is what you can put towards your goals. That $300 is what you can put towards your goals. Or 
what you can do is find just alternatives to it. So like, let's just say you love coffee. And this, so this is like a big thing too. It's like, oh, well, you know, like people focus so much on like the small things, like the dollar here and $2 here. And that can be a little bit um, of a scarcity mindset I get, but the reason why that matters sometimes is one, it just causes you to look. So let's just say you do like going to get coffee every day. If you do the math on that, let's say you go to Starbucks and you pay like $6 every day, that adds up to a lot of money. Yeah. So if if you enjoy coffee, maybe find alternative ways to still enjoy it. Maybe you only go to Starbucks twice out of the week. And for the rest of the time, you make your own coffee and bring it in a Starbucks cup. You know, like, you yeah, know, so you start to get creative about. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't they, they have the reusable ones? Like, I've seen it like. Dollar fifty. Right. So I just feel like, you know, yes, it's going to take some adjustment. It's going to take some adjustment in your finances if you want to reach your goals. You know, um, if you're serious about them, you have to do something. So if you're not going to earn more money, then you got to like spend less or do both. That's the ultimate like goal. It's like not that you have to penny pinch everything. You could just be smart about things, but you're making sure that whatever it is that it's like in line with your goals. For sure. Adjustments have to be made some way, somehow. It's easy for us to say, I want to be financially independent or I want to be debt free, but we never make a change in the habits or we never pick up additional income. And essentially something has to decrease, which is a debt and the funds have to increase. So you have to figure out what's the best recipe for you to make that happen. What makes the most sense? Make it make sense. The dollars and cents. Yes. dollars. (laughs) We need to make dollars and cents. So A lot of our girlfriends, including me, I mean, I'm just figuring out how to pay my damn student loans off and figure this out. But um, I know in one of the podcast episodes, you you were answering some listener questions. And one that comes up frequently for you is like how to pay down student loan debt or like if it's important to pay down your student loan debt as opposed to focusing on your retirement. Do you have any tips for maybe paying down student loan debt? Like are we focusing on the smallest um, student loan paying on that? Are we going after the one with the largest interest rate? Like, what do you, what do you think about that? You know, with the student loans is similar to like just debt in general, um, in terms of if you say, cause some people do have like multiple student loans that they're looking at. So you can, you know, think to yourself, what do you get more motivated by? Like, if you have smaller amounts that you can get rid of within a year, would that motivate you more? Because, you know, you're getting rid of a, like, you're getting rid of the smaller amounts. And so it's like one less loan to worry about. Like, or, you know, technically if you pay off, if you're working on the highest interest rates ones first to pay down, then you're saving money on interest. Right. Um, but you're not necessarily then knocking out loans out the park and like just crossing them out. Right. But it still can be motivating either way. I think, you know, in general, you need to just like, again, write down all your loans. So, just like an inventory of what it is and their interest rates and balances. And then just, just see like if you were to pay off, let's just say you now you can squeeze out an extra couple hundred dollars, you know, one, make sure if you're going to be paying additional that it's going towards the principal. So, you know, call your loan servicer and make sure, like make sure those are going towards principal. Cause sometimes people send in their extra payments and it's not, it's, just not getting applied yeah. properly. Yeah, like, so tell you that was happening to me, girlfriend. Oh I wow, hundreds of dollars every month, and girl, all of it is going to the interest. At one point, I've gotten savvier, but majority <laughs> of it was going to the interest, girl. And why were they putting like 
$11 towards my actual principal a month. Yeah. It was no. like, you have to pay that interest off first so you can start with a zero balance at, with the interest and then, and then, pay, attack, and the then attack the principal and try to cut down the interest every month. Like, you know, oh God, it was dreadful. But yeah, you, yeah. You learn. Hopefully some girls that are still in college that are listening to this right now, this is your opportunity to start attacking the interest now. Even if you can't pay much, start attacking the interest. Don't let it pile up. Yeah, and if you are still in college, don't take out more than you need because, you know, at, and at the moment. Say <laughs> that one again. Right. Don't take out more than you need. I know at the moment, like, you're not thinking about it. Just like, you know, yeah. saving for retirement, who cares? So you're just like, oh, I'm just living my life right now. I'll worry about the loans later. I'll get a good job later to pay it off. But, you know, again, unfortunately, we were not really, a lot of us were not sat down and talked about, like, what to do with these loans, right? So um, it's one of those things where we not having been talked to about these things have had to like face these issues, right? And then now hopefully if you have like the younger generations now, if you have kids, you can prevent them from making the same mistakes. Yes. Yeah, because I mean, if you have to take out a loan for whatever reason, then you know, you got to do what you got to do. But like you mentioned, please, ladies, don't take the full 20, 30 racks a semester. Don't just don't do it if you don't have to. It's just. Yeah, because we'll take out, we'll pay for the classes, the books, and then go buy us a, a new tree. fit. No, yeah. you'll be in a new wardrobe, putting a down payment on a, a new car, car yeah. paying off somebody's bills. You're doing too much. Yeah. yeah and, and then when you. When you look at kind of like those things that you did spend on, it's like, where are they now? Like, they, they're not even in your life. They're not, you know, but you still got that student loan. <laughs> you got it, girl. Plus gotta, interest. So got to manage it. Double, triple, quadruple what the item was worth at the end of the day. Which was never worth it. <sighs> so I hear a lot of times, you know how some folks say like, well, if you have cash, you don't need credit or as in credit cards. Like a lot of people prefer to just outright pay for everything in cash how important is it to is your credit you know like if you don't have any credit cards how is this affecting our credit is it important to have credit are we using cash for everything well i'm a i i like credit cards so for me it's one of those things where if you're responsible with your money and you are out of credit card debt like i'm a big proponent of actually using credit cards like if you can pay them off every month so yeah. i use most of, like i usually spend most things on my credit card for bonus points for, you know, bonus awards and I can travel for free. And so, but I'm very careful. I always have to say, but this is not something like if you are in credit card debt, you cannot get out of it. You can't pay off your bill every month. Like this is not a strategy for you. Like this is close your ears. Do not do this. <laughs> Don't lose from here. Right. But if you are in a position of, um, you know, more stability and you have, your finances more in order that it can be a really great way to actually save on things um, by traveling for free or just getting, you know, cash back. But all that said, I think credit is extremely important, especially if you're in a phase of your life where you're looking to um, like buy a home or just do certain things like, you know, like credit matters and, you know, leverage is power at the end of the day, even if you don't intend on using it. It's just the fact that if something did happen, you could, you could have uh, money or, you know, something you could borrow money to like help you out, which is hopefully the goal is not to have to do that. Right. Um, so right. 
I'd say that it is important, um, but I'd say if you have credit card debt now, work on paying that off before you even try to start like opening credit cards for bonus points. But if you're in a position where you are, you know, able to pay off your credit cards every every month and you are in a position of power, then it can be a very, very helpful tool um, to help you even save more money. That's good. Sounds great. That's great advice. Now, you mentioned earlier in the episode that you purchased your first condo at 22 and we see that real estate is all the rage now. So would you say that that's a great way to invest? Is that a good investment tool, real estate? Oh my gosh. I think, yeah, it is. I mean, real estate. So for me, I can speak for myself that the investment that I made at that age and when I did it, it was an area that was not what it is today. And now like that property value has like increased like multiple, like, multiple multiple times so in that regard like yes real estate is a wonderful investment i think there are like a couple ways to look at this the american dream of like buying a home and um using that as a way to build wealth like i think it's still i think it's still relevant um except for you have to make sure you're buying a home uh, and being smart about it so some i see some people over leveraging themselves like buying too big of homes or big uh, homes they really can't afford. And, you know, if the market crashes and they, or they lose their job, like then that's like financial devastation. Right. Right. So I think if you are like looking to build wealth, I still think buying a home is like a great way to do it, except you have to be smart about it. Like you can't over leverage, you you know, you know, maybe if you're for me, at least like living in a high cost of area living, like that same condo that I bought years ago, I could not buy like now it's so much money, you know? So maybe if you are in a place where you can't afford to buy, you look at actually like investing outside of where you live. Um, yeah. You know, like you look in other low cost of various places or you look for the multi-units. Built up soon. Yeah. Like in the future, you have to go to those city council meetings, seeing what they're going to be doing in your area. Exactly. Really trying to flip it. Find something to flip instead of just saying, oh, I got a house, I'm going to have an investment and you... Yeah. Well, even even better is to look at your house as the investment. So, you know, if you're going to buy a house and don't make it only just a personal kind of like, oh, I just love it decision. Make it a decision where it's like, I love it. But if and when I move, I can rent it out. Or how about it has, you know, a, a basement? Well, I don't know. You know, it's like in New York, we have basement units or there's a second floor and I can rent it out. So even if you're buying it for yourself, look at how it can still be an investment. Um in, in the worst case and best case scenario. How you can Definitely. flip that puppy. Great advice. Maybe if you're not buying a single family home, maybe you can buy a duplex or triplex, live in one unit, rent out the other two units. Just be really smart about it so that it can really work for you. I love that advice. <clears throat> okay, so now we're going to transition into our girlfriend gag. So Jamila, this segment is where we have questions from our listeners. They knew that we were going to have a financial expert here on the show. So they have a few questions that we would like you to help us answer if that's okay. Sure. Okay. So the first question is, at what age should one start saving? Do you have any tips for a high school student who wishes to start saving for college? You can start saving right away. So this you're never too young. Um, if you want to start saving for college and you're in high school, you can... So I want to preface this by also saying that, you know, 
also look at ways to not not only save but to not spend like a lot in college so maybe you know making sure you're choosing the right school and again not taking out too many loans but looking to save i'd say you know a simple savings account a high yield online savings account um is fine uh because you can get better interest rates maybe at a traditional bank when you're go through with a high yield like online savings account um, but in general, it's never too early to start saving. So do it now, girls. Yes, as soon as possible. You said you started saving as soon as you got your first job at 14, right? <laughs> yeah, well, so my mom, she took me to open my first like bank account. I was six, about six years old. I remember that. And so, you know, even if it was like $20, you know, if I got like gifts for my birthday, monetary gifts, I'd like save some of it. So by the time I went to college, I think I had a couple thousand dollars in my bank account. So that was very helpful. And I remember the exact opposite. When I turned <laughs> 15, um, there was like a chemical spill when I was a young child and they put the money from the lawsuit into an account that I couldn't touch until I was 18. So as soon as I turned 18, my mom was like, you have money waiting for you. So we went to Wells Fargo, opened up my account. They released the money, blew it all. I remember I got a sidekick. <laughs> Um, oh, I remember sidekicks. I yeah, love my sidekicks. sidekicks. I really vividly remember paying for dinner for all of my friends. <laughs> going, just wow. You know what? That was like the thing to do when you turned 18. Put a phone in your name. Yeah. You know, like go get a, 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 a cell phone. Like, oh, I'm going to get a cell phone. I should have stayed on my family plan as long as possible. Seriously. That cow. So um, I know we spoke about investing and the best and easiest ways to invest. So are there any additional tips for investment beginners? Um, and what are your thoughts on like mutual funds specifically? So I'd say if you are looking to invest, make sure you're taking advantage of any retirement tax advantage options first because they're going to be more advantageous to you to do so. Um, doesn't mean you can't like invest outside of your retirement accounts. It's just that some people want to just jump into like investing, you know, without just the basics of that first. And that's going to like make your investments go way longer, like a longer for you because it's tax advantage. And then what mutual funds. So, you know, I'm an index, like I like index funds, I think. So index funds really just like, tracks like the general like equity market um versus like in picking individual stocks but that's just my preference you know people have different preferences i just don't care for like you know researching companies i'd rather just kind of like safe bet and follow the market um so you know with mutual funds i think they're not all like they're not bad i mean an index fund is a type of mutual fund it's more of looking at the fees associated with mutual funds so making sure that, you know, fees closer to like 1%, anything like anything close to 1% is like high, um, you know, but, you know, for example, like index funds, like fees can be like 0.005 or 0.05. So, you know, those are low fees versus a mutual fund. If you like coming across that and you look at it and a fee is like one point something or 1%, that's like eating away at your returns year over year. Yeah. Girl, I was like, 1%? That sounds like a win. Here but, I go, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> no. and somebody's got a percentage of 0.001. Yeah. yeah. And the index funds are low risk, right? So you have, it's like, you just put it in there and let it do what it's going to do. Right. Like the index funds generally just follow 
the the equity market. So um, it's almost like, yes, you're still, it's still risky because if you're following like the S&P 500 or like a stock market um, index, it's, if the market crashes, so is your index fund. But the, the whole. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> but, the scary part for me. Right. But the yeah, thing about it is, right. If you're. When you invest in that way through your retirement accounts, like you're a long-term investor, meaning like that money is going to sit in there. Like you're not taking it out tomorrow or in two years. Right. So eventually, even if there is a big market crash, the market will go back up. I mean, that's been the history of the market. So you will. And if you look at the history of like the stock market, like crashes and if like the people who like sold everything because they were afraid that they lost everything, like that's when they lost the money. But the people who stood and just like let their money stay or they bought more when the market crashed, they made tons of money because everything was on sale. Like it was cheaper because it was, you know, the mark, the everything was like so much less money to buy. So I say all that to say that, yeah, like nothing's totally safe. Um, but it's one of those things, if you're in the, it for the long term, especially you guys are so young that you won't need the money now anyway. Now let's say you are like about to like reach or, you know, you're about to retire and you needed your money in a year, then you would have to like look differently at where you invest. Because if there is a market crash and you need to get your money, then you would have to probably take it out at a loss. So just if you're going to be in it for the long term, you don't have to be as sensitive to market dips because the market will most likely rebound as it always has over the last how many years. Got it. it. So we got time. We got time to go flip it. Flip and tumble our back. Got it. So our last question, what are ways one can generate passive income? Are we getting extra jobs? Are we busting studs? Are we, what are we doing? Because (laughs) I know to that, I know it can be like, you know, I'm a, I'm a be an entrepreneur. I'm a start my own side gig. And that might not most of the times will not immediately, immediately generate any funds. It takes a bit of time. So are there any ways we can pick up a buck quickly? (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. I would say there's, all right. There's the not, there's the obvious, not so obvious, which is like reverse engineering income, which is actually cutting expenses. I know right. not, not, not exciting, but it, like you can easily, that's why people in the like personal finance space so quickly go to expenses because income can take, a, you know, sometimes a bit more time to like earn depending on like your skill set and, you know, your mindset. But if you can cut out like $200, that you're just like wastefully spending, that's like $200, you know, of a reverse income, right? That you could use. So that's one. The other side of it is like, so yeah, you're totally right. Like, as you know, you guys have a podcast, um, like stuff like this was like, oh, you can like easy money, start a podcast. No, that's not how that works. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. So I think there's a difference between like a quick side hustle, like babysitting, walking dogs, tutoring, where you can like literally just probably make my money in a week because you just have a skill set, you know, someone around you that needs it, or maybe you have something to sell in your house. You have things you want to get rid of. That's going to be also a quick kind of win, right? Like if you just kind of go through and sell some stuff, but, um, so that's one way to do it is like a service or selling something that you have. And then the other way is through your current job. So if you have a job in which maybe you can earn overtime and you want to work extra hours, or maybe you increase your skill sets to where you can ask for a raise or you just ask for a raise. So many people are leaving money on the table because they're not just like saying like, I need more money (laughs) to their boss. So there's, you know, there's a bunch of ways. I think, you know, you have to be creative and courageous when it comes to the earning side of things, because so many people underestimate themselves and don't think they can earn more when, you know, 
I think like that they can. Yeah. And the, like you mentioned, biggest way to give yourself a raise is to stop spending money. You'll see the <laughs> right yeah. then and there. Stop. And then ask. A lot of us are afraid to ask. I know I haven't always been the first person to say, hey, boss, um, you think I can get a little bit more money on my check? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, scared money doesn't make money. Exactly. Scared money don't make money. It doesn't. So this is the part of the show where we invite our girls to pick up a pen. We're, We're dropping, dropping a, a gem. gem. So this week, we are going to allow you, Jamila, to share your gem with our homegirls. Sure. So, you know, one of the things that we're talking about, like, throughout this episode is how to level up your finances, right? And so one of the ways to do that is investing, right? So we're talking about investing in, like, the market, whether that's, like, retirement accounts, which is great. But there's also, again, investing in yourself, which is something that I don't think we do enough of. Um, And so one of the things I wanted to do was to create, like, a community of journeyers. So if you are loving, like, this content and you want to get your finances in order, then you're a journeyer now. Like, you're on you're on the rocket with me. We're launching to financial freedom. Yes. We're going to do it, right? So I wanted to create a space in which like I could provide more resources, more content, more support and community so that you can reach your goals. And I did that with the Launch Academy. So it's my membership program in which we are like delivering like just a safe space for you to be able to reach your goals. Um, so I'm super excited about it. Um, just launched it and have a bunch, a bunch of motivated members. So if you're looking really to get that support for also like a reasonable like investment too. Um, so that's one of the things I wanted to make sure is like, okay, how can I make this something where it's like a no brainer? Like if you really are serious about getting your finances in order and you need that kind of guidance and resource, like, like what would be just something you, it just, would make sense right? right and so that's what the launch club is and you could find that at journey to launch.com slash launch club to join Woo! Awesome. that's gonna be good you girls need to get in on that so you can get that up close and personal tea yes and get your weather <laughs> keep your coins in your wallet honey because jimmy is gonna give you all your all the information that you need this is just the snippet what we gave here is just a, a short, piece of the pie a sound bite right And I say this, like instead, you know, we're talking about, you know, spending, like I said, I don't have a problem with people spending money, um, especially if you're investing in yourself, but like that same amount of money you'd spend on like a coffee, like the price to invest in yourself in this way with the launch club is like the same as like buying like maybe one premium coffee a month, you know? So it's like one of those things where if you're serious and, you know, it doesn't have to be for you, but if you are serious about like reaching your goals and this resonates with you, then this is something where it's just like, come on and join us. And, and again, and I, I believe you. there's no like set commitment. You can stop the membership at any time if you find it doesn't work for oh, you. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yep. It can, you can cancel anytime. It's like an index fund, low risk. <laughs> right. We're trying it out. If it works for us, great. We're hoping that it works for you and that you feel liberated and encouraged to get a handle on your finances. And if you find like, hmm, no, then it's no pressure. But it's there. The space is there. The right. tools right. are and in addition to the membership, Jamila has journeytolaunch.com, which has a wealth of knowledge. She also has the Journey to Launch podcast, where she drops so many gems on every episode, as well as her well-informed guests that come on and share their stories and their journeys. So Jamila is a great resource. Okay? Yeah. She's a great resource oh, for us Thank all. you. So Jamila, let our girls, I know that Brittany just basically gave them your handles, but let our girls <laughs> know where they can find you, how to stay in touch with you. If they want to reach out, where do, where can they get to you? 
Sure. So you can find me at Journey to Launch on all social media. I'm there on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So say hi. I love connecting when people like first hear my stuff and like just want to ask me questions. Totally down with that. Also, uh, you can listen to my podcast wherever you're listening to this amazing podcast, Journey to Launch. And I also have a Facebook community. So you can join the Facebook community at journeytolaunch.com slash community. Yay! Awesome. Well, well thanks again so much, Jamila. We really appreciate you for taking the time to speak with us and drop this wealth of knowledge with our listeners and us because um, we've been taking notes too. And I'm grabbing an index fund after we leave here. <laughs> <laughs> great. I, re- I had a great time. Thank you. Thanks, girl. We'll chat soon. All righty. Yo.